I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are still in our first quarter of 2021. And the book of Isaiah is what we're studying for the whole uh, whole quarter. But this particular week's lesson is Lesson 11, titled Waging Love. That's a pretty creative title, Waging Love. <laughs> Uh, Mark, why don't you give us a perspective of what is the, before we get into our specific talking points, just generally, what are we covering this week? Well, we have two chapters this week. We're whittling it down. All right, that's good. But they're pretty full chapters. But they're good chapters, aren't they? Isaiah 55 and Isaiah 58. Okay. And uh, largely, the lesson dwells on practical godliness as outlined in Isaiah 58. We're going to do a little more on Isaiah 55, okay. which is a lead into that, just the invi- the open invitation to salvation, but that's in general okay. what we're looking at. Now, there's a lot of familiarity usually with Isaiah chapter 58, but obviously we're going to dig into that and yes. Isaiah 55 as a, as a precursor. But before we get into those specific talking points, what we want to do is dedicate ourselves to the Lord in prayer and then dive yes. right into our topic for the day. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this lesson study. Thank you for the topic that it's covering and, of course, the lesson book of Scripture itself. Thank you for inspiring Isaiah to write these words and applying them to our lives today. Help us to to see what your Holy Spirit is trying to show us in these passages and apply it in our lives so we can hasten the coming of Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Pastor Howard, our talking points for this week. Go over. There are three... And our talking points, our talking point number one is salvation is the free gift that will cost you everything. And we're going to see that drawn out of Sunday and Monday's lessons. Point number two is evangelism is always successful. Amen. There are some that will contest that, I know, but um, when we're done, probably not. Okay. Now, was that one drawn out of a specific point in the lesson? or you Actually, it was drawn out of Isaiah 55, the and the lesson itself. didn't highlight it, but it's a well-known part of Isaiah 55. It's embedded 55. squarely in our material. Okay. And then finally, number three, a revival of true Christianity is an identifying characteristic of the remnant church. The Bible foretells mm. a revival of true or practical Christianity, practical godliness, mm. and we're going to see that primitive Christianity. Okay. Um, These are synonyms for the same you know, yes. characteristic of the end time. Um, those are our three talking points for this week. Okay. Well, let's just dive right into it. You said Isaiah 55 and Isaiah yes. 58. And so if you oh, have your Bibles. Yes. Or, oh. The, the uh, third talking point is drawn from Tuesday to Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is lesson. Okay. So the biggest chunk is going to be at least from yeah, the lesson. The only thing that isn't from the quarterly is that second point that is drawn from Isaiah 55. But it's, like I said, it's in the scripture. So we're going to be Very Isaiah clearly. 55 first and then looking at Isaiah 58. So let's go yes. to the talking point number one. Okay, so salvation is the free gift that will cost you everything. Drawn from the the beginning words of Isaiah 55 are, Ho, everyone who thirsts. Ho, the idea is you're calling out, you're shouting out to people, and you're making this invitation. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, capital M, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. So the Lord has given an invitation, and we see the, the Im- imagery of water in the scripture that, you know, Jesus talked to a woman at the well about the living water, mm-hmm. and there's other oh, places Old that Old Testament, that. there's a lot of references to the water of life, and, and yes. drinking this water if you thirst. And, and so the idea is you have an appeal to salvation here, 
and then the the idea of the wine and the milk. Mm -hmm. um, wine comes when there's an abundant harvest of grapes. Yes. Milk when they're well-fed cattle. So mm -hmm. it's throughout the milk and honey that it has to do with prosperity, and God mm -hmm. is just inviting people to substantive. Mm filling, you know, prosperity and, and quenching of the thirst and, you know, contrasting it with why are you spending money on what doesn't right. satisfy you or your labor or your time and energies. It's so much like the woman at the well experience, you know, because yes. she was looking for temporal water and he's like, but I've got some better water. You know, there's a real thirst that, you know, if you only knew yes. who you were talking to. Well, I'm glad you bring that up because sometimes people like to separate Old and New Testaments mm. as if, you know, Jesus came and he presented stuff that had never been presented before. No, Jesus presented it through his prophets, the same concepts. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus didn't just, hey, I'm going to bring up this idea yeah. of water in reference to salvation. Yeah. He himself had employed that same <laughs> imagery through his prophets of old. Right. So Jesus had laid this out as a metaphor, as, as, a, as a motif about thirsting, and, what, and everyone right. can relate to this, right? So if you go up to the yeah, Samaritan woman with the well, who has not been thirsty? Exactly. You can talk about anything. It's like thirst and is a very common thing. You know people thing. who don't like water. I do like, know, I know people, a lot of people, yeah. and I remember going through a phase in my life. I don't want water. Give me pop. Give me tea. Give me this. That. Brother, yeah. I know vegetarians who don't like vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's plenty of people who drink things but they don't drink water. So, but. Mm -hmm. When a person, those very same individuals who don't like water, I don't can't stand drinking water. I gotta have something in my water. When they are parched, <laughs> they're not wanting a coke. No, you, you know, there's a point where you want water. Right. And so people understand both being thirsty and having that thirst quenched from water. So the Lord. Okay, is so he's appealing to this common human need for quote the thirst, uh, That's right. which is the water for salvation, the water of life. And then then let's move into what do you, how do you get it? Well, well and that he has it. In other words, okay. there's this common need, but you're not being satisfied. Mm. Come and drink. I've got, and Jesus said to the That's woman, well, calling to whoever drinks come. of the water of this well will thirst again. Mm -hmm. Whoever drinks the of the water that I, I give will yeah. never thirst, but will have become, a, that water will in him become, anyway, great passage right. in John 4. So, um, this is just speaking of the ubiquitous nature of salvation, how, how the Lord is offering it to, there's no, He's offering it to anybody who wants it. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody may qualify it. Well, it's just the people who are thirsty. And it may be argued that God's only making some thirsty, but you're not going to find that in Scripture. No. If there were another passage in Scripture, this would be a strong argument against the idea of predestination. That mm. th This is to whoever wants it. Mm -hmm. Come and get it and stop going after what you have been and come get. And so clearly this in Isaiah's day was speaking beyond the Jewish nation. Mm-hmm. And if we wanted to take time, we'd go to the passages There's even in the book of, passages of Isaiah talk where about he's the light inviting to the Gentiles into. We've already and, yeah. talked about in some of the lessons. So this free, full salvation. In fact, um, Ellen White makes a great comment in the book Steps to Christ where she says on page 49, it is heaven, it is, I'm sorry, it is peace that you need, heaven's forgiveness and peace and love in the soul. Money cannot buy it. Intellect cannot procure it. So it talks about without money and without mm -hmm. price. Uh, how do you buy, you know, the idea of buying without money is, what does that right. mean? But the Lord is speaking, first of all, in spiritual terms, and he's just speaking about the fact that here's something that has enough value to it that you would need to buy it, but you have nothing to buy There's it no with. There's no resource you can trade no for No resource it you can buy. And so the Lord is speaking of its value, but also of the fact that it's attainable even mm. if you have nothing, because it's not 
you that qualifies for it. And this is what Elmite's commenting on. You'll see that in a minute. It is peace that you need. Heaven's forgiveness and peace and love in the soul. Money cannot buy it. Mm. Intellect cannot procure it. Wisdom cannot attain to it. You can never hope by your own efforts to secure it. But God offers it to you as a gift, quote, without money and without price, Isaiah 55.1. It is yours if you will but reach out your hand and grasp it. The mm. Lord says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow, going back to Isaiah 1. So, exactly. powerful statement, just the freeness of salvation. So now, let's Why transition. the talking point? Exactly. So it says, well, salvation is a free gift. That will cost you everything. So it, how it is it free? It won't cost you anything. It just That's what you right just here. said, without price. But what's it cost? <laughs> well, so as the passage goes on, it's interesting that in this context, then the Lord says in verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Now, the implication is he's not always going to be found. Mm. There's a, there's a period of time where you have to respond or you're not going to be able to respond. And notice the respond. What does it mean to seek the Lord? Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. What does it mean to seek the Lord and call upon him? Next verse. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he, the Lord, will have mercy on him and to our God and he will abundantly pardon, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor mm. are my ways your ways, says the Lord. So in other words... The Lord says, I want to give you my thoughts and my ways, equivalent to this whole context of salvation we're talking about, but you can't have it unless you so give up your... So he freely offers the righteousness that we need, but the cost to us is the unrighteousness that he can take away from us, but we have to be able to let... We can't have both righteous right. and unrighteous. We have to it's surrender the It's as if you one. have somebody who's going to... They're going to hand you a big something that is going to take both hands to hold it. Right. But you're already holding you're something. You're going to have to let go of something. You've got to let to go, take go of something to get the other. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so, and the scripture is clear on that. That this, this, in fact, I, I got in the notes here. Um, first of all, in the context, the Lord's appealing to the people to uh, to desire something. You know, they're spending their money on that mm -hmm. which is not bread. And they're laboring for what doesn't satisfy. They're not finding the substance in what they have in their ways and their thoughts. And so this is this is the context of him inviting them to his ways and his thoughts, but they're, they need to be able to let go of their ways and thoughts. Mm. And I think about, and you've probably had this discussion, I've had people argue about this whole, this whole hard to be lost theory. It's harder to be mm. lost than it is to be saved. And I could argue for that, but I think it gives a, for example, I could argue for that, but what do you do then when you come to where Jesus says, um, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the way that leads to life. And in fact, in the Gospel of Luke, he says, strive to enter in at the straight gate. And straight is S-T-R-A-I-T. Mm. It's not straight line. It's mm -hmm. difficult, yeah. is what the word means, Old English. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. And then he goes on to say, many will seek to enter but will not be able. Mm. Many will seek to enter. The many go in the broad, the few go in the narrow way. That doesn't give a picture of, oh, it's just so easy to be saved. And mm -hmm. There's not, not that it couldn't be argued that, that the Lord's going to fight you every right. step for, of the way. You, yeah, yeah. But to die to self is not an easy thing. When Jesus talks mm -hmm. about you've got to die daily, that doesn't conjure up images of butterflies and lollipops, yeah. you know? It's certainly not a passive thing. No, there's, not, there's, not at all. There's an investment of your own active will. And yeah. we see that in this passage, the forsaking of the ways and the thoughts. Um, let the wicked forsake his way. Forsaking your way 
and not yeah. getting it the way you want it is not easy. Any human being should know that. Or any parent should know that. Any husband children. knows exactly. it. <laughs> Anyone who's had any relationship with anybody else, if you're supposed to be cooperative in a parent, in a spousal relationship, a parent-child. And just for yeah. the record, when I say any husband knows it, it's a learning process, but it's that hard lesson that our wives are always right. <laughs> yeah, we're not getting into I mean, the details of that. This is not a marriage counseling session. But the point is, if you have to we're work together... We're not chafing together, under that. No, no, no. If there's, if there's <laughs> something that you ought to collaborate on and there's a right way to do it, somebody, once a decision right. is made, has to yield. And then an idea has to be given up or, or a preference has to be surrendered. And when it comes to the relationship with Jesus... Our proclivities, which, by the way, the Bible makes clear, are all towards mm -hmm. unrighteousness, right? That's so right. we have to surrender our self-seeking, our self-inherent um, latent sinful desires and say, yes. I'm going to drop my own self-interest and I'm going to take up this wonderful free gift, but it's going to cost me the things that I naturally like to do. That's and right. that, that cutting across the grain of natural inclination does not sound pleasant. In fact, it is not pleasant. I've experienced it, and I'm still growing in that, you know. Um, well, Ellen White comments on that, in that, that that concept when, you know, I'd mentioned Luke 13, where it says, many will seek to enter and will not be able, speaking about the way to salvation. And that just seems like... It almost sounds exclusive, seeking, like you're not letting right, them in. They're seeking yeah. to enter. They want to enter. And she comments on that. In fact, she quotes that verse, and then she says, in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 143, first paragraph, it says, they desire the good. She's describing what it means to seek to enter. They desire mm. the good. They make some effort to obtain it, but they do not choose it. Mm. They have not a settled purpose to secure it at the cost of all things. Mm. So it's going to cost everything, and yet... That everything is you yielding your will. Mm. Man. Well, there's a, there's a lot there that we could go into. But and let's be clear. The Lord himself will help us yield our will. Absolutely. He will and give so, us the strength. We've already read in Isaiah. He says, let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me. So he's provided the opportunity Absolutely. and the fuel to make it happen. He's given us everything we need, but it's that it. choice of the will that's the hardest that's exactly of all. exactly all right, let's go to talking point number two. Number two, evangelism is always successful. Oh, we should just leave it right there. It always <laughs> works. If you work in it, it'll work for you. You know, what do you mean? I'll tell you, I read, I, I, when I came up with it, I thought, okay, this is a cute little thing. I'll put, evangelism is always successful. Now I was going to make some little uh, disclaimer, like, except for when it's done poorly, etc. Yeah. But I'm basing it on, the passage goes on to say, your ways are not my, uh, my thoughts Still are higher than yours, etc. No, right? And then he says in verse 10, as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it. This is just an incredible passage. Mm. So the Lord, and you know, you think of his word illustrated in Ezekiel 37 with the valley of dry bones. Mm -hmm. I think we've mentioned that before. Dead, can these bones live? Ezekiel's uh, like, I don't know, Lord, you tell the me. Word, yeah. Preach my word to them. Boom, and they come to life, mm -hmm. right? And I was thinking again about, well, poorly, you know, there's some people that can do a very bad job with evangelism. They portray things in a wrong way. They have a wrong attitude. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. What about Balaam? You know? Mm -hmm. And yet there was success in his, his ministry. But, mm -hmm. I, I, you know, you don't think of him as an evangelist. So let's talk Jonah. You know, you've heard the saying yeah. that 
nobody nobody's going to care how much we know until they know how much we care and those cute little sayings are you know there's a lot of truth to them but let's just be clear jonah did not care about the people mm. he preached his message went up on the hillside and waited for them to be destroyed and when god didn't destroy him he was just plain mad about it <laughs> yet He's the most successful evangelist in all scripture. Well, the other thing is we've had personal testimonies from people who have literally found, uh, you know, I think of the great controversy, it was in the trash can. Yes. And then it picked it up. Like clearly whoever passed it out didn't see any success <laughs> from their efforts. It was literally in the trash can, but the Lord was in it, right? That's and, exactly and, and the, right. Uh, then the upshot is, as Paul was explaining, you know, you know, one's going to do uh, water, one's going to uh, so. But in the end, the results are on God. The harvest is his, right? And so when he makes the claim that my word will not come back void. It's not like saying, if you do your work well, you will be successful. He's like, no, I'm the one who's going to be successful. You're just a tool in the whole process. Well, that makes me think of, you mentioned Paul, and I think of Philippians chapter 1, he says in verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. He's talking about mm -hmm. his arrest and imprisonment. Now listen, yes. so that it has become evident that to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are more, much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some preach Christ, or some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Mm. But the latter out of love, uh, knowing that I'm, et cetera. What then? Only that in every way Christ is, his, Christ <laughs> yeah. is preached. Yeah. His, his point seems to be that there are some who preach Christ out of envy and strife, trying to add affliction to my chains. Like, I, I picture him going around saying, can you believe, listen, this is what this Paul is saying. He's saying this and this and this, because he figured that's going to heap up condemnation. So they don't even believe it, but the words of the message, mm. And we have testimony of this throughout history. Well, the words of the message, even on the lips of a non-believer, can convert a soul. We don't have time for this one, but since you brought this up, there's this idea. <laughs> Jesus, you know, he, one it's of his my most, fault. I did it. Yes, um, I'll take ownership. When Jesus went in and cleaned out the, the, the temple for the first yes. time, he made this weird statement. He's like, you know, destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. And he didn't explain it. It was misunderstood, but he wanted that catchphrase to get around. That's and he it. It, it lets it go on and on and on. And... All of his enemies are taunting at him at the cross. You know, it's the only thing they can really, you know, that, that's, peg him that on. That was on, the on. thing. That was the thing. Yeah. But he knew. He's like, yeah, they're not going to understand, but my word's going to come back. And on the day of Pentecost, after he had raised to life, after three days, yes. and the whole world had heard about it, he had preached his own evangelistic series, and no one understood it. When we go out and we do witnessing, again, do witnessing, when we share yes. our faith, when we live this lifestyle, when we, you know, proclaim the message, God has promised that somehow it's going to come back not empty. That That's there's right. going to be profit in it for his cause. So we can't get discouraged if I don't see it or That's I don't exactly understand right. it. God's in it. And That's he's exactly the author right. and finisher of our faith. The only qualifier would be evangelism presupposes that it's communicating the word of God. Right. If the word's not in it. Well, but it's that's, not just presupposing because he says the word that goes the out. The word returns, right. will not return void. Amen. All right. Our third talking point is drawing from Isaiah chapter 58. And why don't you read the first couple of verses there? Oh, Isaiah, Isaiah 58. 58. And many people could probably We don't have time to exhaust this. Isaiah 58. Yes, but, in fact, we're told in inspiration over and over to study Isaiah 58. It outlines our work for this time. Et yes, it does. And, and to, even before I quote it, just so people recognize, there's basically, as I read Isaiah 58, three sections to it. There's the whole cry aloud and spare not and, and diagnosing the, the, the situation of the people. Mm -hmm. Right, And then there's God's remedy for it, and then there's the outcome at the end. But anyway, it starts in verse 1, Cry aloud, spare not, 
Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet, verse 2 says, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation, they did righteousness and did not forget the ordinance, forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. So the condition of the people clearly right. is that they are religious e. At least, well, you know, notice, they're, it's, they're not feigning this. It's not no. like they pretend to take delight. They like churchy stuff. They, they love they hearing good sermons. They see themselves right. as spiritual. Right. They so really this is believe not the apostate, fallen, you know, right. backslidden people. They're in some way having at least the patina or the surface of religiousness, yes. right? But what's the issue in verse 3? Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And so they're basically saying, Lord, we're going through these motions, we're doing the religious life, but we're not having that really spirit-driven, you know, success results right. experience. It, it just seems like we're going through the motions. What's wrong? Right. And, and you know, we're, we're doing all this. We're fasting, as you mentioned. And mm-hmm. so uh, a couple things to bring out. First of all, when we get down to the end of the chapter, the Bible, or, yeah, the Bible tells us in verse 12, those from among you shall build the old waste places and raise up the foundation, and you shall be called repairers of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Our talking point was a revival of true Christianity is an identifying characteristic of the remnant church, and we will see that this, this, these repairers of the breach and the work being outlined is speaking of God's people at the end of time, yes, in the last is. days, in the context. Now, it starts out here with this group of people who are claiming to be fasting, and praying, and and yet they mm. feel the Lord doesn't see. And the lesson quarterly asks the question in Tuesday, the very first question at the top of the page, what is the fast referred to in Isaiah 58.3? And I'm going to divert from the lesson a little bit here. The lesson steers this into the Day of Atonement, and their take is that this is speaking specifically of the Day of Atonement fasting. Well, fasting mm. was associated with feast days, Seems kind Days of bad, doesn't it? Fasting, fasting, feasting, <laughs> but, but but the afflicting of the soul and what have you, I I got to steer away from that just because when you look at the passage, you know, the Day of Atonement was an annual event. Yes. When you look at the passage, it says in verse two, "Yet they seek me daily,", daily. and even in the Hebrew, the the, tel- the tenor of it is that the fasting is something that is repetitive that they're doing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And we know that the Jewish nation, that fasting was not just a part of the Day of Atonement, it was a part of their religious services. In fact... You're talking the New Testament, right? Well, I'm thinking about in the New Testament when they asked Jesus, why do your disciples fast? You know, and the disciples of John asked, why do your disciples fast? Fa- yeah. And the Pharisees, we, yeah, why do they not fast? We fast all the time. And the right. point being... It was part of, of their religious process. And of course, Jesus regularly. said they don't fast because I'm with them, but he doesn't... Yeah, it just be, it's evident that it was part of their They weren't referring to a special experience. annual experience. They're talking about ongoing thing. And yeah. so I believe that what is being addressed here is not an event on a, di- on a feast day. This is addressing their church experience. Yes. Their outer, out, their religious experience. And, and their description we, of it is very, from their perspective, diligent. They're doing these certain things, but the outcome isn't satisfactory. It's not really helping. And then the Lord comes in in verse 6, I think that's where we're going to head next, and talk about, yes. like, all right, you think this is what fasting looks like. This is what you think religious life is. Well, Let me tell you what I outline. Well, let's draw something from the heart of it. Why okay. are they fasting? Okay. Why, what's their purpose? 
When you see it in there, what they say to the Lord, well, Lord, we're doing it. Don't you see? Don't you realize what we're doing? In other words, <laughs> yeah. they're doing it in order to gain the acceptance of like God, which work. has always yeah. been the foundation of every false religion. Paganism and mm. false Christianity is appeasing God. Like, we're doing this. Don't you see yet? Don't you realize? I paid in my thing. Yes, where's your, where's I'm, your I'm the punching darkness? the clock and whatever else. So right away, you see that this is a, it's what we call formalism. Now, right. we always talk about legalism, and I think we're even going to get into some of this in next week's lesson a little bit. But the issue is one of going through the motions. It's outward Christianity. It's surface mm. Christianity. Well, in, in verse 4, it said, the Lord says, you have fasted for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. And basically saying, like, you've done all this stuff, but it hasn't changed your character. Yes. It's not many practical any good. You're still just... It's he just, just got done in 55 talking about them forsaking their ways and thoughts. Right. But they're not forsaking their ways exactly. and thoughts. Exactly. So I'm here. taking like, my I'm ways to church with me. I'm fasting and brother so-and-so in the church on right. They're still like, holding on to all their cantankers. You're saying the same old people. Right. It hasn't changed you. So the Lord steers him towards the kind of fast he wants. Right. Um, verse 6 and 7. Why don't you read that? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring, spring forth speedily, and your righteous shall before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And it goes on and on to talk about the results then of this real fast that yes. is the daily conversion and... Well, yeah. let's. I want to comment on that, but I want to bring something. The lesson says that again. I, 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 I don't think it's wrong per se, but well, I'll explain in a minute. Wednesday's lesson, the very last paragraph on the page, um, not the green box at the bottom, but the very last paragraph says, "The Lord seeks a church, a people who will preach truth to the world." But what will better attract people to the truth as it is in Jesus? Strict adherence to dietary laws or a willingness to help the hungry? Strict rest on the Sabbath, the word strict is employed yeah. intentionally there, yeah. or a willingness to spend your own time and energy helping those who are in need. And I always get wary of these either or, like is it this or this? Is there something wrong with, let's just say adherence to the Sabbath? And then let's talk about the word strict. What does strict mean? It just means doing exactly what God says. Yes. Is there something wrong with doing exactly what God says? It, it, now, it almost implies a competition between you're either going to be a strict Sabbath keeper or, or you're going to be really nice people and help out. Right. Which one do you want to be? You know. And so my concern with this, especially here in the context, is these folks are going through the motions, and there's been a big push, in, even in our church today, um, for all these good deed ministries. Yes. But there's a, it's, there's a very distinct possibility if not probability, that you can replace the fasting, fasting and ceremonial, with yeah. good deed ministries and still have it only be an outward. I can still Lord, go I'm out. Doing all these good deeds. Look, I can uh, yeah. go out and give sandwiches to people and everything else, and then I can go home and yell at my wife. In other words, I can still <laughs> have the same lack of depth in the experience. Right. There's there's a an insight that we're finding welfare ministry page 32. You also find it in several other places, but Mrs. White talks about this exact tension. Yes. She says, the work specified in these words, referring to all of chapter 58 of Isaiah, is the work God requires his people to do. It is a work of God's own appointment. Now notice this, with the work of advocating the commandments of God and repairing the breach that has been made in the law of God, we are to mingle compassion for suffering humanity. We are to show supreme love to God. We are to exalt his memorial, which again is that strict observance of the Sabbath, right? 
which has been mm -hmm. trodden down by unholy feet. And with this, we are to manifest mercy, benevolence, and the tenderest pity for the fallen race. She goes on to say, love revealed for suffering humanity gives significance and power to the truth. So it's not just proclamation ministry or churchy type stuff versus like, you know, out in the world right. community outreach. She's saying we should be doing both in a comprehensive, dare yeah, I say, absolutely. blended approach, right? That you have all of it together. And that's what the broader implication seems to be here. Absolutely. And and the Bible goes on to say, when you have that, that practical Christianity. And so I like to, and I didn't make the point yet, that when it talks about the undoing the heavy burdens and, and breaking every yoke and sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing mm -hmm. the poor to your house and stuff, instead of limiting this to events where we get together as a group and go out and do something, mm. I, I think it's important that we understand that I believe what the prophet is going to is practical Christianity. Yes. In other words, this is not an event that I'm doing and we're going out as a group and we have an exercise this She's afternoon. This is practical, personal. This is, right, yeah. yeah, personal. This is letting Christianity affect your everyday life. Yes. That this is the kind of person you are because it goes on to say when you do this and live this way, then the Lord says, it says the Lord will guide you continually, satisfy your soul in drought. You're going to be a like a well-watered garden. Um, then your light is going to dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall, you know, then these things will happen. In other words, when you have this real genuine experience with yes. me, and in that context, it goes on to say, those from among you, among these people who are now living out their mm. Christianity, instead of having this surface Christianity mm. it started talking about, those from among you will raise up the foundation of many generations. You will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, and I wish I could take more time in our talking points for this, but this is talking about Sabbath reform in this context of living out this practical Christianity. Yes. And there's a, there's, a, there's a reform, a restoration of the Sabbath that yes. comes in the context of yes. living out your Christianity. So Ellen White makes this statement, and this is in the Bible Commentary, Volume 4, Ellen White's comments uh, on this, pa this passage of Isaiah 58. She says, Where do we find the people who are thus addressed, these repairers of the breach? Who is it that shall uh, build up the old waste places and raise up the foundation of many generations? Where are the people who have had light from heaven to see that a breach has been made in the law of God? And speaking of the Seventh-day Adventist people, she says, This is the people that are repairing the breach in the law of God. They see that the Sabbath of the Fourth Commandment has been supplanted by a spurious Sabbath, a day that has no sanction in the Word of God. Amid great opposition, they become loyal to their God and take their position under the standard of the third angel. So mm. it ties all this reform right. of chapter 58 into the third angel. So message. when Jesus comes again, he can, he's got a people who are proclaiming the unadulterated, unmitigated truth of God's That's Word, right. the three angels' message. In word and deed. And exactly. And he can say, you also, like in Matthew 25, you yes. visited me, you clothed yes. me. So it's not, a, it's not a theory, and it's not pitting against practical. It's a holistic picture of it's changed It's not an outward people. set of boxes they're ticking off That's to right. do their good deeds and for the week. And either category, they are. exactly, to become new people like yes. Jesus. So, we have come down to the end of the wire here, but maybe we should uh, go to our summary statement yes. in Friday's lesson. Uh, you want to, are you there already? Yes. All right, go ahead. 
In Isaiah 55 and 58, the prophet appeals to his people to give up their thoughts and ways and return to God, whose ideal for their happiness is so much higher than their own. Mm. He mercifully pardons and then insists that the pardoned be merciful in harmony with the spirit of the Day of Atonement, as the lesson went with mm -hmm. that, and the Sabbath, because the gift of God's forgiveness, if it is truly received, transforms the heart. So mm. Those really last, that little idea. last section there, truly received, transforms the heart. I love it. Friends, there's a so much just in these two chapters that it's going to be great fodder for a fantastic local lesson study. And again, and let's please encourage don't be tied to these specific ones because there is such good scriptural material that there's there's no reason to go off on crazy rabbit trails. No. But there's so much good material. And in you scripture. had mentioned to me that some some teachers struggle with what questions to ask the class. There are yeah. usually like Friday has three discussion questions. Mm -hmm. There are usually some good helpful discussion questions that you can insert in this context. Right. Right. I'd encourage you to look at those. Yeah, just dig into the de details of Scripture and maybe some additional life from the Spirit of Prophecy. It's going to be a great study. But we are out of time, and we need to close with a word of prayer. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to study together as a church family. And we want to know not just what the lesson says. We want to know what the Word says, and we want to be uh, obedient to it. Lord, give us that transformation that you prophesied in Isaiah 58, that we will both uphold the doctrines like the Sabbath, but not just in a theoretical sense, but you will transform us to be true Sabbath keepers and repairers of the breach. Help us, Lord, to be more like Jesus, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.